Welcome to an all new episode of Colorful Lives presented by State Farm. This season we're focusing on all the things we wish we knew before major life events. In this week's episode, we're going to dig into all the things you should know before having kids. Does anybody ever truly feel ready to have kids? Mm. Probably not. But there are definitely some steps you can take to help secure your family's future and they should also give you some more confidence while facing the unknown. Now, Tanya is our resident money mama. <laughs> A.K.A. she's the only one of us that has children. So she'll be taking the lead in this week's discussion. Wow. Oh, yeah, I'm the only one who did that thing. Yes. Listen, well, to kick it off, Tanya, uh, small question, but uh, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned since having a kid? Uh, we can talk for hours. How much time you got? Yeah. No. <laughs> the they show are, is four hours. <laughs> you know, like, no matter how much you think you planned, there's always going to be something that you didn't plan for when it comes to having children. Um, I mean, I think that we were as prepared as most people could be to have Karis, but um, they were just, you know, I wrote, I tallied up how much I spent on Karis, like the first like three weeks of his life. Uh, and it, it added up to like $4,000. Okay. Like, wow. yeah. And I mean, that's because I'm an extra mom too. <laughs> so I have to admit I'm extra. And there's some things that I probably didn't have to do that I chose to do or like some things like we ended up, so we ended up buying an entirely new bed set, bedroom set and everything else um, and getting rid of our old one because Karis did not like sleeping in his bassinet that he had. And it was just so many things that I wasn't expecting. We brought in help. Um, at the, around the six week mark, I mm-hmm. thought I could have made it longer, but sleep deprivation is real. Right. Yeah. And um, and so I wanted support and we just it was more expensive. That that was one thing. Like it was more expensive than I realized it would have been. Mm-hmm. So I like would advise someone to save even more than they think they need because yeah. What about before Karis came? What were some of those expenses as you were oh, getting ready? Oh, yeah. So, you know, as a as a black woman, we've heard that um, black women have a higher the highest maternal mortality statistics, mm-hmm. regardless of educational class, income mm-hmm. level, et cetera. And so for me, it was really important to have a supported birth. So I hired a midwife mm-hmm. and I had my OBGYN. Wow. Oh, wow. And so we paid for our midwife out of pocket. Like that wasn't covered by our insurance. Um, pay for out of pocket. We took birthing classes. So we took 12-week birthing classes. Those weren't cheap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, there were just other things that we decided to do to prepare ourselves for his arrival, which I'm so happy I did because I ultimately <laughs> had the birth of that I wanted. Right. And that yeah. was that's what led to me creating the nonprofit because I have the birthing experience I wanted. But there was one point when um, I was in delivery and this is time called transition where your body is like preparing. You're getting feeded, fed all these endorphins and everything to help you with the pain of childbirth and so forth. And so there's this rush of hormones and your my, my body literally started shaking. Like wow. I started to shake. Wow. My teeth started chattering. Oh, my God. And I remember looking at my midwife like, oh, my God, am I dying? Is this happening? Like, is this what happens when people die in childbirth? And she was like, no, you're absolutely fine. You're in transition. But like her being able to reassure me made me feel comfortable. And I think that that could have been a turning point between me being anxious and shutting down during childbirth and me being like, okay, my body is doing what it needs to do. Let's do this and allowed me to progress. So that was like that was one of the best investments was investing in birth education and support. How did you decide also what you were going to do for maternity leave? Because you, you're your own boss. Yes. 
That's yeah. yeah. So last did year, you give I was, yourself time off. I did. I ended <laughs> up taking. So last year, I was flying around the country collecting all the bags. No, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was I was flying around just. We really saw like, you working. Yeah, I was working. Okay. Like Karis flies well now. I think because I flew so much then, but just really saving money, paying off everything that we could pay off, just mm-hmm. really getting ahead of our finances and saving money. Um, step my team. That was really important. Was getting my me and my team worked together for about two months to get them up to speed so that I could step back in the business when it just, you know, the bottom wouldn't fall out of my business. So um, I ended up going on maternity leave. So it's funny, I was looking at my emails afterwards. I went into labor on Thanksgiving Eve and I wasn't supposed to go into labor until the following week. And so I had a campaign that I was supposed to launch the the day I went to labor. (laughs) You're like, wait until the wheels responded, And I responded. um, They were like, do you think you can get the post up today? And I was like, so I'm in labor right now. And they're like, oh my God. We can wait. They're like, the post can absolutely wait. Literally worked up. We had a Black Friday sale for Finance. Literally worked up and until on um, the last minute. And then I ended up um, staying out. I stayed off the road until May of the following year. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, uh, I took maternity leave from my business completely until March. I just have so much more respect for women. I, I, I mean, I've always respected women. I am a woman. I've always loved, um, you know, being a woman and having my friendships and valued them. But it just took it to a whole other level. Right. When you realize, Going through like, what, what you went through and yeah. knowing what it takes. And my mom. Right. Like, my mom was like, you did that for me? You know, like you did that. So um, it definitely transformed my business, mm-hmm. my life and my availability and also my tolerance. Well, one thing I want to talk about also is I love looking at kids' clothes, right? I have no babies, but I enjoy shopping for, I have four godchildren. <laughs> I have like 19 cousins. So I love looking at stuff for kids. So let's talk about birthday gifts, holiday gifts for your son and for other loved ones as well. How do you set limits and how do you set a budget for something yeah. like that? I mean, I it's so easy to spend so much on children's clothes mm-hmm. because compared to our clothes, we're like, what? $6.99, you know, <laughs> it's, it seems like a drop in the bucket. And then you realize they can only wear it one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as far as setting limits, I, I'm i not that good at setting limits. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. It's a first tell, tell us Come the on. truth. Tell us the I truth. I became financially secure so I could do what I wanted. No, but <laughs> no, um, we are, I am very intentional about not buying him um, extravagant gifts and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want him to have more worth in his 529 plan and his savings. I want him to have more set aside in his bank account than he has in his nursery. Right. So, you know, as far as my father, like when they ask me, you know, what can we buy him? So and so and so like Easter, they want to buy him an Easter basket. I was like, he doesn't even know what an egg is. Right. He's not going to remember this. Put the money in his 529 (laughs) plan. And so I was really happy that by the time he was six months, he had $2,000 put aside in it. And like, we just put the money, you know, we just put money in there. And, um, I think that people have to do what makes sense for them, but you also have to realize these children are going to grow up. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to ask yourself, a lot of people, you know, what did what your parents do for you work or what do you wish they would have done differently? Mm-hmm. And for me, the thing I wish my parents would have done differently is save towards my education and had something for me financially when um, I graduated from college. Right. And so that's what I'm working towards with Karis. And our limitations are what's within our budget. And I think everybody should consider that. I just hate when I see, 
you know, children who have like an amazing wardrobe and they have all this designer stuff. I'm like, well, have you got, do they own any stock? Yeah. Do they have a bank account? Do they have money set aside mm-hmm. in savings? What kind of assets have you purchased for this child? Because these sneakers that they can't wear past the next two months is not an asset for them. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's good too, you know, because I, I have so many cousins and I have so many just all of my friends are having children right now. And I think that also I have to remind myself all the time that there are ways that I can give to them that don't have to be material. Yes, yeah. that's what made me think about that because I love spoiling the kids with things that their parents would probably never buy them. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm right. going to get this and that. And this I'm the Hot Wheels auntie. I'm like, I will always, <laughs> I will always give them to you. They're still but, a kid. Right, you know? but you know, but one of my friend's kids recently who I, I really love, I was, I, I was thinking about what I could give them because they also have a lot. And I was mm-hmm. like, you don't need one more toy. And, um, you know, making a charitable contribution to uh, to a charity that they cared about in his name, that was something that um, they ended up telling me was really touching to them, you oh, know? And yeah. I think that it also, it just, like, teaches that you can give different things. Yeah. And they're, like, friends, kids who, like, I've bought stock for them because I was like, you, I, I want, like, financial literacy to be a part of your life. Yeah. And this is a way that we can have this conversation later. It could be like, oh, like, mm-hmm. my aunt so-and-so got me bonds or she got me the stock when I was yeah. young. And then we just keep up with it. But so I really appreciate that you talk talk about the, the 529 account because it's so important to save for the future. And I think we could give to parents too. You know, honestly, <laughs> on, honestly, <laughs> honestly. Make a plug I, for your mom registry. Know, what so do you, you guys, need? Oh, you you first birthday. Until you have <laughs> After his first birthday, if you guys want to send me a birthday <laughs> gift, I will <laughs> gladly receive it. Um, but no, it really did make, I realized what, Um, People go through adjusting to having a child. And uh, one of the scariest moments of my life was when I took him home because I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to keep this human alive. Like, this is some I could go to jail if something happens to him. Like, I have to keep him alive. It is my responsibility. And now I look at it when he has his first birthday. This is my birthday. Like, this is a day I became a mother. And so even when I have other friends and it's their child's first birthday, I'm like, happy birthday. Right. Because that was a day you're life changed as well and you know I and I always give my parents a gift on my birthday just like thank you thank you for That's making so my nice. life possible thank you for everything you've done mm-hmm. and I I just hope Karis one day gives me birthday he will definitely be giving well, you some presents he'll, be, uh, he'll hear this and he'll definitely do it for you hopefully you're watching this this, you is know, de- this episode is dedicated to kids. <laughs> I know you know but I also think that in that same vein I have a lot of friends who have adopted kids and mm-hmm. I also notice that people do not celebrate the adoptive parents that's a and big so deal I think that just like remembering that families come in every size yes. shape everything this and is that day you it's so a parent, it's you know? so important to like celebrate that and I think I don't know um, is there anything that your parents did for you guys financially that it makes you say you know what this is something I'd like to continue no. on no no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that with my parents I, I remember a lot that my dad used to talk about how much money he made and he would tell us about the bills that we had as children he never did it in a way to like shame us but mm-hmm. I just remember being like oh yeah it my 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 father like supports us and he does it in this way because he would always explain our financial situation to us and I think that like when you're a kid sometimes it's really tough you know because we're like I want this or I want Mm -hmm. that and he would say it's like well you know one of the reasons our vacation is smaller this year is because like we're trying to plan for XYZ. Mm. And I think that as I got older, I really appreciated that a lot. I was like, I, I you know, I'm like, I don't think most of my friends know how much money their parents made when right. they were kids. I definitely didn't know. And I was like, I, I knew that. I was like very, very aware of it. And I just really appreciated that it was done in a way that it um 
it just gave me a scope of how much life cost. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like a, you know, they didn't use it like as a tool to like make you feel bad. So I think that was really good. And also like my dad was really big about saving. I had a piggy bank as soon as I could hold one. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, and we also like, we grew up like very not comfortable when I was, when I was young. And I remember having to, you know, sometimes like we got to take money out of the piggy bank to like pay for our own things or for do things or for doing things. And I just... I just think that, like, the the younger you are, the more you understand, like, what money is and what it can and cannot do. It will save you a lot of pain down the road. And I think that's the biggest thing I preach is that money isn't everything, but it gives you options. And yeah. whether that is as an adult when you graduate from college or as a parent or as someone who is, you know, expecting to grow your family, it gives you the option of what you want that experience to yeah. look like. And I think financial security, yes, we want to, you know, money team because <laughs> it helps enhance. It enhances the quality of our life, but it really does allow you to live life on your terms and really, you know— I remember at one point my doctor, um, like my insurance wasn't going to cover a certain test. And he's like, do you still want to do it? And I, you know, I was like, yeah, we'll pay for it out of pocket. But for someone else, I might have been like, well, we, can't we can't afford it. Right. You know, so it gives you the option to experience life and these transitional experiences on your terms. But it gives our children options to experience, mm-hmm. you know, graduation or maybe there's a school they want to go to or maybe they want to take a gap year. And there's a scholarship that they won't be able to receive because they have to go to school immediately or something mm-hmm. of that nature. But it gives them the option to live life on their terms, too. And I think that's a gift. I just remember my parents are about money all the time mm. but not really discussing it like they were arguing about bills and I know for sure my dad was making more money than my mom and he would make her feel bad about it and then um, they would just be arguing about what bills weren't getting paid who was using the credit card and why is this credit card bill so high and then my mom hiding things that she was buying mm-hmm. <laughs> she would leave everything in the trunk and then when my dad like went to sleep or something she would bring him the in I'm too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not gonna see the bill like right. okay mom so <laughs> it was just things like that but we never had conversations about money ever and I wish we would have because it would help me when I went to college and when I started making my own little bit of money. Do you have conversations with them now? About money? I actually told my mom, let's get your credit together. And she was so embarrassed to send me her cre- like all her information so I can pull her credit score. So I pulled it so I could see what was on it that was negative, see what her score was, see how much she owed. And she did not want it. It took me like months for me to get it from her. So it's that hard. I could it's to hard her. to yeah. talk about. She would not give me her information. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think our parents, they were like growing up, your parents are your heroes, you know, mm-hmm. and they you start to look at them as adults and you look at their mistakes and you then start to wonder like, well, they're not as awesome as I thought they were <laughs> in all of facets of life. They're human just like me. Right. They were figuring it out just like, um, like, right, like, like not, your par- I am your now. Your parents were young ones. Like, yeah, that's your parents you need to were know. young ones. They made mistakes and I think it's important to, um, obviously talk to our own um, or even elders, you know, whether it's a, you know, aunt, uncle, grandparent, whoever in our life just to let them know like, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Like I took my mom and vacation vacation right for a week and she wanted us to share a room (laughs) and I was like mom we really don't need to share a room she's like no but it's expensive why would we get two rooms I'm like mom trust me I can afford to get two rooms because I need to have my sanity on this trip (laughs) I want to enjoy this trip with you I need a break (laughs) like young lady you need your own room did that but I do wish like you said as far as putting aside some money for college that would have been something that happened to me when I was younger now is there a best time to start saving for college and what if you yourself are still hoping to go back to school my mom had us Mm, and she actually 
really, really wanted to go to college, and she didn't go to college. She lets us know this because <laughs> oh, we were. My dad went to college, but my mom didn't end up going to college, and that's something that she still regrets to this day. Mm. Yeah, that can be challenging. Like, how if I'm saving? Am I saving for my child's college, or am I going to college myself to get a better opportunity or to grow? You know, mm-hmm. my make you know just improve my income earning potential, and I think that. One of the good things is as a single parent, not a single parent, but as a parent or as a um, mother, sometimes you do have scholarships available to you. Mm-hmm. So don't count yourself out. Look and see what financial assistance is out there available specifically for mothers or people who have children or mm-hmm. who are returning to school or who are non-traditional students. But I think that compound int- compounding interest, the beauty of that is that you know your money can continue to work for you, continue to work for you, and maybe you can't contribute regularly, but maybe you do receive, you know, when you get your tax return or you receive a large sum of money, mm-hmm. put that aside. So it may- if it's not a regular contribution, it's something, and you put right. something aside that you can't touch that's going to go towards your child's future. Uh, and maybe it can't cover their entire tuition, but maybe it, buy- it purchases their books or right. their Anything meal else. plan or something of yeah. that nature, because college is expensive, and yeah. And also, who knows what it's going to look like in 20 years, right? What education, so, yeah. I mean, there's so, a lot of pushback on what education looks like. Yeah. And what, but I think, I think we'll see um, an evolving perspective of what it looks like to be successful and the roads to success. I think we're going to see a big um, switch up of that as other generations graduate. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm happy that we're at this point where there are so many people I know in my own life who are you know, very successful and didn't go to college. Right. Yeah. And it's, it gives it, I think it gives other people um, hope and gives them options if they can't afford college or if their parents mm-hmm. didn't put money aside for them. That debt is not the only way for them to be successful. I do think that there are some lines of work where college is necessary, obviously, mm-hmm. like to go to. I need my doctor to go to college. Right. I, I, I need a doctor. Need you to do that. There's definitely some things that require that, but then of course there's other jobs that you don't have to go to college for. And then I think some people, if you have the opportunity to go, it's a good experience. It is. Mm-hmm. And I know I appreciate the fact that I went to college, even though I paid for it for like 12 years after. I, I wouldn't not do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you also don't have to go to debt to go. You don't have to go into debt mm-hmm. to go to college, right? I think that for a lot of people, looking at options that are cheaper and more affordable to you are, it doesn't mean that it's a lesser choice, right? So like community college. Uh, community college is a really, really, really important jumping off point for a lot of people. It is. And, and also, especially like if you don't know what you want to do, but mm-hmm. you know that, you know, that's maybe a track you want to be on, go to community college. And I would say that to somebody who wants to return to school. Yeah. Also, you can go to your local college. You can call up your local university and say, hi, I'm, you know, I'm a continuing education student. Right. What are my options? What's available? I think that not counting yourself out for financial reasons is really important. And also looking at all the options that you have. You don't have to pay $100,000 to get any kind of education. Right. Yeah. You can, colleges. And even if sometimes it's your job, yeah. they'll pay for you to continue yeah. your education. That's, that's, that's right. big. And you can, like, you know, and also not um college is not the only form of education that you can have like you can be self-taught you can go to the library and see if there are programs that you can do you know like you can can go degrees you can get also that are a lot less expensive i think that's the biggest lesson that i want to impart on karis education doesn't stop in the classroom like it Mm -hmm. might start and actually i think education starts at home to be honest but i don't think that it ends in the classroom and it's not limited to the classroom and so regardless of your setting always be looking for opportunities to learn and so while we're putting money aside for his future, my goal is that 
you know, he can utilize that money to start a business or he can utilize that money to, you know, purchase his first property or something of that nature mm-hmm. because he he's figured out, you know, what education looks like for him and he's able to use the money towards something else. So we say we want another one. We do want another one. So it's like, yeah. what do we do with the next one? Like, <laughs> While you're a little more prepared, you already have some of the stuff. Yeah. Um, now we have to divvy all these resources to, you know, to another child possibly. But I think that's great to do it back to back. I know, I know. And that, you know, that's really annoying. I have to say this. You know, when you see a person who just had a baby, don't ask them when the next one is coming. <laughs> I promise, I was, like, suffering from PTSD. As beautiful as my birth was, I was traumatized for, like, the first two weeks. I was like, oh, my gosh. I just went into battle with my body. And, it, it, you know, just let people settle in. My mom was like, childbirth was the most excruciating, painful experience of my life. It's... Nothing like it. No, there's nothing anyone can do. And, you know, we, we spent all these money, this money on classes. We had a great birth team, but there's nothing anyone can prepare you for for that experience. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you know, and I'm sure like other experiences that you two have went through your life, there's like certain things. Nothing anybody tells you, no book that you read can prepare you for what you it just, is like. You have to go through it. You just got to do it. I think, you know, it's also like just giving people the option to decide what they want for themselves, right? And so it's not about like scaring them about having a family or not. It's just, what's the most prepared that you can be for a thing that you can never prepare for? Right. Good luck. Right, (laughs) exactly. Like, just do what you can. Yeah. (laughs) Do what you can. We're talking a lot about having a baby in this week's episode, and we hope that sharing our perspective helps. But this podcast isn't the only resource. There are nearly 19,000 State Farm agents all over the U.S. who are waiting to help protect what's important to you and guide you through major life milestones. For this week's Ask an Agent segment, we reached out to Zanetta Harris-Glover, who has an office in Newark, New Jersey, to get some practical advice before having kids. Hey, ladies. This week, I want to focus on all you awesome working moms out there. I know it's not always easy, but you still make it happen and power through. So how do you focus on something like saving for college tomorrow when you're worried about paying for child care today? Did you know that more than 11 million U.S. children under the age of five are in child care? If your child is one of them, the cost is likely a significant line item in your budget. However, when your child begins elementary school and no longer requires full-time care, you'll see a significant increase in your discretionary income each month. But before you convert those child care dollars into disposable income, consider saving those funds for your child's college education. After all, you're already accustomed to living without the income. If you would like to save more towards your child's education, consider an education savings plan for qualified higher education expenses. And for birthdays and other special occasions, have the grandparents contribute money towards college. Your child will eventually outgrow toys, but a quality education lasts a lifetime. You might also want to review your life insurance needs and consider a State Farm life insurance policy. This will ensure your child could still afford to go to college if you were to die prematurely. And for more tips and insight on saving for your child's college education, Talk to your local State Farm agent and visit statefarm.com. For the second half of today's show, we're joined by Yaya Smith. Hey, Yaya. Hey. She is the founder of the Feminine Success School, where she provides coaching to help women flourish in all facets of their life. Well, thank you for joining the show, of course, Yaya. You're welcome. Now, to start us off, let us know what a feminine success coach actually does. So as a feminine success coach, I really help women stop choosing either or and say and. So if you want 
a marriage or a relationship and a career, why choose? You can have both and you can make them work well together. I love that. I love that. So with four kids and a busy career, do, do you believe in work-life balance or like how do you make it all work? I believe in work-life harmony. Oh. I don't believe in work-life balance because I can't give the same amount to everything all mm, the time. Yeah. But I do believe in harmonizing things. So I have a crib in my office so that I can watch my baby sleep while I'm working with my clients. So, yeah. Work-life harmony. Yes. And then I know there has to be some costs associated with that, right? You have the crib and the office, and then you also have to have the nursery. Everything has to be soothing and comfortable because, of course, you want your baby to have that quality of life as, of course. A, as an infant also. <laughs> so what are the costs associated with that? Who Children in general cost. Children definitely cost. Um <laughs> However, we try to keep the cost to a minimum. We try to keep our children engaged with life and, you know, nature and outside. So we definitely um, invest in their education. We invest in our littlest baby, um, just making sure that she has everything that she needs. Insurance, of course, is a cost. Um, 529 plans, which I learned about through Tanya. Um, that's a cost, but I don't look at it as a cost as much as I look at it as an investment in my kids. Yeah, definitely. And you have three boys and one girl. Mm -hmm. Like that, I mean, she's going to have, you know, big brothers to look up to. And oh, so she's forth. the youngest? Yes. Yeah, her Ooh, baby is the you. girl. Mm -hmm. She's like, it's going to be a tough road for some people <laughs> because she has her own team and her own tribe. Yeah. But that's beautiful, too. Well, thinking about costs, what do you, how do you make decisions about being very conscious about the things that you buy? Do you read the labels on everything? Does it matter to you where the kids' toys are made or the clothes that they wear, that kind of stuff? By the food that they eat, too. I am definitely the mom that is taking up room on the grocery aisle, <laughs> reading all the boxes, reading all the labels. You have to. Making sure we have lots of wooden toys in our home, so oh, making yeah. sure that they're not using things that could potentially be toxic right, like in no the future. Lead paint and any other lead toys. Paints yeah. and things like that. We're very conscious about where we're buying toys from. I love handmade things and things from, you know, people who are thinking about what they're putting into their mm -hmm. products. But we also grow food. So oh, a lot of the the things that you know, we could complain about. We just say, how can we fix it? How can we make revolutionary choices? So y'all are doing farm to table. Like mm -hmm. y'all are farm to table at home. And so do the yeah. boys know how to actually farm? Yes. So yes, far. they love they love to grow food. We have a backyard garden and we also have a community garden in the Lower Ninth Ward in New Orleans that we run. I love it. And I think that that's so important because I think that especially our generation, we're disconnected from where our food comes from. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was working here in Brooklyn, we would take people to a farm in upstate New York. And so many people had not seen food growing out the ground. Mm -hmm. It was crazy how many people just like that. That's what corn looks like growing or that's what a cucumber looks like on the stem. And it's we're so detached. And I think that's a life skill. So that's amazing. Yes, definitely. We get people. We have wild mulberry trees around our garden. And folks will drive past like, are y'all supposed to be eating that? <laughs> and we're like, yes, it's a fruit. And it's, grow it's food right in your neighborhood. Yeah. And there's nothing like it, too. Like, my grandfather, you know, my grandparents are from the West Indies, and he definitely had, like, the sugar cane growing in the backyard Ooh, and the mangoes wow. falling off the trees. Mm -hmm. And even at our house in Brooklyn, he would grow, like, his own little mint leaves to make tea with oh. and things like that. And it's nice to see where everything comes from. And there's nothing more fresh. Yes. 
And I think that this kind of goes in line with you all have decided to homeschool your children, mm, yes. which I think is amazing. I actually kind of touched on that, that our goal is to homeschool Karis. So for parents who are thinking about homeschooling, what does that look like to set it up? Were there any initial costs associated? And like, what, what advice would you give to a parent that says, I think I want to homeschool? We were super young starting out as a family and we've homeschooled the whole way through. So at first I was really looking at ways to set up a classroom. At that time it was preschool, set up a classroom in our home without spending as much. Um, and we got to know a lot in that time. So we were definitely in the dollar stores and in the, the big box stores, really looking for those little things. But advice that I would give is to be flexible for sure, because when we're in traditional schools, we kind of are used to that one curriculum. But as you learn your child, you realize that each child has a different learning style. And as they grow, their learning style can change. And maybe for math, they learn one way. And in social studies, they learn another way. Um, also with, you know, young children, especially making sure that you're hands on mm. with the way that you're teaching, allowing them to get outside in nature, allowing them to be in gardens and get outside and play and get dirty like we used to do as kids. Yeah. My children now are obsessed with chess. So they're calling me on the phone like, Mom, did you find us a new chess set while you're traveling? <laughs> but they're obsessed with chess. And I think that homeschool really gives them the opportunity to stretch and grow and figure out what they really like. And we're able to give them access to those things. So you do the teaching? Yes, me and my husband. Okay. That's wow. amazing. You said you don't want to do that, Tanya. No, I don't. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I mean, you know, if I had to step in, I will. But <laughs> if I have to step, if I have to step in. <laughs> but yeah, my goal is maybe like a homeschool community. Mm -hmm. But also, your children. There's four of them. Well, there's mm -hmm. three who are being homeschooled, so they kind of have their own classroom right there. Mm -hmm. My, I think my fear is just Karis being the only person in his classroom with me, and him not really learning how to deal with other personalities and so forth. I think it's more of a social thing um, than capacity thing. But Amina, you were homeschooled, right? I was homeschooled for a little bit, and I actually really enjoyed it um, the years that I was homeschooled, mostly in middle school. Um, but, you know, I think it worked well with my personality. I still think that you should probably let your children choose how they want to mm -hmm. be socially around other people because I think that at different ages it means different things. And, you know, that I was homeschooled, but I was also in a community where a lot of other kids were homeschooled. So it mm -hmm. meant that I was never alone. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just like me and my siblings clawing mm -hmm. at each other mm -hmm. every day. But I think a thing that my parents did very well, too, is that when if they were like, OK, this is hard and we don't understand it and we can't mm -hmm. do that, it's OK to bring in outside help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think that never limiting education for mm -hmm. any kind of purposes is important. And also, you know, some kids' personalities like they need to they will thrive in other kinds of environments. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just important to check in. And I, I, one thing I am big on social um, is talking about how schooling doesn't end outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. And that even as a parent, as you mentioned, you visit big box stores and so forth and find different learning materials. I think that it costs, you know, it's so affordable. I was in um, one store, you know, they had a dollar section and they had these little flashcards and everything. And I think that, you know, as a parent, you can still teach your child things mm -hmm. at home. You can still you work with them yeah. and round out whatever education they're receiving from whatever uh, you decide or whatever method you decide to educate them. And it's Absolutely. not expensive. Absolutely. We we are totally community-based. New Orleans is just a very close-knit community. Yeah. So we have music teachers. We have language teachers. We have 
math teachers, really. Others who come in and support us, but we're their primary teachers. I love that. I love that you have support. Now, another question to switch gears a little bit is life insurance and life insurance policies. I just got life insurance last year, and I never had it before because I don't have children. Mm -hmm. And people used to tell me, well, if you don't have kids, you don't really need life insurance, but... Found out that's not really true mm -hmm. and can't just listen to word mm -hmm. of mouth and what people are telling <laughs> you. Out, so not. let's talk about life insurance policies and why they're important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Life insurance is important for us because you just never know what's going to happen. Um, I travel a lot. I fly a lot. My husband does as well. And making sure that our children are covered. And when you are an entrepreneur or self-employed and you're building a business, for me, I want to make sure that if I leave, if that income is at all affected that my children are well cared for um, and that, you know, even if my husband is gone, that I don't have that worry and that fear. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, one of my friends was telling me her mom has life insurance and not only does she have life insurance, but she already has paid for her own funeral and has everything yes. yeah. planned out. Like, That's so, so that, responsible. Right, yeah. so that if something happens, and, you know, we should all hope to, our parents want us to outlive them. Mm -hmm. But if something should happen, then at least while you're in the middle of grieving, you don't mm -hmm. also have to worry about finances and planning a funeral. Yeah. Yes, my mother-in-law is that way. Really? She has herself planned out, paid, everything is paid, her husband, everything is paid, and that's her mindset, is that my husband's an only child, so if anything were to happen to them, or when, because they're older, when something happens, she wants him to have as little to worry about as possible. And children get life insurance policies too, right? Yeah. Yes. Our children are riders. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I do know I've, um, some people decide to take a life insurance policy out on their child. Mm -hmm. I know that's something my mom talked to me about um, when Karis was born, just getting a life insurance policy on him and et cetera. And I think we have to change that frame of mind that because you're taking a life insurance policy out on somebody that you're going to do something harmful to them to cash in on the policy. Right. Like, yes, it happens, but you need to stop watching those television shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, sometimes it is just solid financial planning. Is it really preparing for the future because things are going to yeah. happen. And also bad things happen all the time, right? Mm -hmm. It's like that's that that's the entire business model of insurance and it's it's a reason that insurance is kind of it's the backbone of our financial system right. because emergencies happen and you know, I I just, like we've all experienced loss and grief and I think that the more you can make it easy for people in their mm -hmm. grieving process, the easier it is just down the road yeah. for everyone. So Good planning is always a good idea. Because I have to say, like, even when you think about health insurance, you know, you didn't think, oh, my parents are going to get me sick because they got me health insurance. <laughs> right. They're going to use this insurance. Yeah, are they going to? I'm going to get in a right. car accident Today. because I got auto insurance. No, no right. it's because you're protecting yourself. But I think that. I think protecting death, other people. Yeah, I right. think death makes people a little more. Um, it's it's just something that people don't necessarily like to talk about. Yeah, but you have to. You yeah. have to plan for that because it's something that's inevitable for everyone. Yeah, we're yeah. all born. And yes, we all and we all die. What's really interesting though is it's also a wealth builder. So mm -hmm. my mother-in-law, she has several policies on my husband, and when we wanted to start a business, she cashed one of those in and gave oh, us the money. Oh wow! So, yeah. Mother, you you have a good mother in law. <laughs> yeah, she's, 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 she's smart. She's she smart sees lady. all the corners, all the <laughs> she's like, a smart lady. and that's beautiful that she said, "Okay, use this to start a business." Because I think I do think that for people who don't have the financial means to do things such as contributing to a five twenty nine regularly or putting money aside for their children when they're younger, maybe there is an opportunity for you to say, "You know what? I'm going to do this for you so that you have this asset available to you in right. the event of something, or you can cash in on it." Now that I'm financially able to do this, right. so kudos to her. I think we should more people should aspire to be like your mother in law. Yeah. <laughs> 
And do you ever you already have Do you already have like a college fund set up for all four of them? So the five twenty nine is is my thoughts around the college fund because they can use it how they want. Mm-hmm. So when they get uh-huh. to that age if they're if they want to go to college, my oldest wants to be an engineer, so of course he's gonna go to college. But my middle son wants to be a chef, so he can use it for culinary school. Yeah. Um, my four-year-old wants to be a warrior, so I'm not sure what he's going to do for so adorable. Sure. Be a warrior. He okay. can be a justice warrior. He can be an attorney. He could be. He there's could so be. many different type of warriors he could be. <laughs> right. That's so adorable, though. Well, you know, we're going to go into today's money meditation okay. and all of all of this talk of children, I feel is, you know, let's take a trip down memory lane. Mm-hmm. Everybody, we like to center ourselves when we do the meditation. But for today, think back to growing up when you first started collecting allowance or saving up money you received as a gift. When did you realize the value of a dollar? What are some of the most valuable lessons about money that you've learned? And if you can recall a specific piece of advice that helped you think about finances in a new way. And so, you know, I think now would be good for all of us to talk about and meditate on how do you plan to pass that knowledge on? That's, uh, these are so good. Um, I mean, I think about my first thing I actually bought that I remember, and it was a pair of sneakers. Um, I wanted to wear boy sneakers and my mom's like, I'm not paying for those. You have to save up your own money. So I bought my own pair of air flights. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But I think that as far as what I want to pass on to Karis, what I've learned, being an entrepreneur has taught me that it's not necessarily how hard you work, it's how smart you work. And so I want to encourage Karis to be a smart worker. I think smart work is hard work for some people, Mm -hmm. but we all know someone who works hard but is still financially insecure. And so I want him to be a smart worker so that he maximizes his abilities and the income he has available to him. Um, Yeah. So that's what I want to pass on. Well, I never got an allowance. Is that crazy? So I think the value of money was different for me. The only time I got money was like my birthday or Chinese New Year where we got the red envelopes um, with money. And I always look forward to that. And I would like put all the money together, put it in the right order and then try to save it up, you know, and um I think that I wish I would have been better with money from a younger age. Like I didn't open up a bank account probably until I was like 16 years old Mm -hmm. (laughs) and did all of that. So I haven't always had the best relationship with money or the best experiences. And so what I would like to do um, to pass on to the next generation is definitely make sure that you have a bank account, make sure that you start saving. I wish I would have started my IRA sooner. And but I've always done things like invest in a 401k because I know that that's money that gets matched at whatever corporation I work at. But there were just so many things that I didn't know about that I wish I would have known about earlier. Like even right now, I'm still learning how to invest in the stock market, which I have been doing. But I do feel like I'm a late bloomer, but I'm going really hard now. You know, it's funny. This really made me think about how I just realized that every everything I think about money actually comes from this memory because I, I grew up Muslim and after, uh, you know, for all of our big holidays, like after Ramadan or um, after Hajj, you, like a lot of kids get money. That's the present that you get. And I remember always getting less money than my brother because he was a boy, even Ooh. though I was older. Ooh. And, you know, because it's like 
African families, boys are important. Um, and my dad never did that. My dad was like very fair about how he gave all of his children money. But I always noticed that other people would do that. It's like my brother is younger, but he always got most money. And I, I always saved everything I had. But I think that that's really I was really aware that there was a gap. I was like, oh, I'm being treated differently mm-hmm. for some way, shape or form. And it really, um, you know, that's something that's a cycle that I want to break a lot in the next generation of my family. I'm like, well, you know, work is work and everybody who works should get paid fairly. And you know, and also I just think a lot about like saving up that money. There was nothing I wanted to buy. So I used to just hoard money <laughs> and we didn't have a lot of money. And one time, like my mom needed money. We like actually needed money to pay bills and do all these things. And it made me so happy that I could give that money to her, even though, you know, it's like definitely like it's when you grow out of being a child, you're like, OK, like this is the financial reality of my family. But I think that that taught me a lot about saving for emergencies and making sure that you could be a self-sufficient person, especially if you are not a man. And also that you, you can live a life where you can support yourself. Like you don't have to rely on other people to help you all the time. So that's what I really hope to pass on to the next generation of my family. Um, I think for me, I, my parents came into a lot of money when I was really young. And so I didn't grow up with this value for money because it was like that new money thing where they would just spend, spend, spend. Um, and I thought that that was the way that it was supposed to be. But as I grew up, I realized that while money doesn't have to be hard to get, it's important to build up the relationships around you. Because, of course, if you spend in like water, you're going to lose it. And eventually they did, but they didn't have the great relationships that they needed to get back to where they were. Mm. And so what I really want to pass on to my children is not necessarily the secure the bag mindset, but to secure their legacy, to secure their relationships, to secure the people around them so that whether they're up or they're down, Mm -hmm. they're able to sustain and they're able to grow and grow people as well. I think that's important. These are also different, but they're all, I think, all valuable lessons. We all learn different lessons from a young age about money. Well, of course, we want to hear what you came up with. So let us know your response to this week's money meditation. All you have to do is post on social media with that hashtag, live colorful. That's live colorful, F-U-L-L, two L's at the end of full. So live colorful. And uh, we'll check it out. Yeah. And that's it for this week. Make sure you check back next week for our final episode of the season, guys. Wow. Yes, I'm excited. Um, we'll be going over the things we wish we knew before starting a business. Ooh. So tune in <laughs> next Wednesday on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Plus, don't forget you can see every episode of Colorful Lives on State Farm's YouTube channel. Yes, thank you, Yaya. Thank, thank you, you for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> Colorful Lives presented by State Farm is a loudspeaker studio production in association with the marketing arm. Our producer is Matt Raz. Our executive producers are Chris Morrow and Matt Raz. Colorful Lives was recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. Our audio engineers are Emily Duff and Rich Serbini. Our show is mixed, mastered, and edited by Dwayne Crawford. Our video switcher is Jack Dixon. Camera operators are Benson Vincent and Christopher Sonny Martinez. Our production assistants are Otto Oli and Timar France. Don't forget, if you're only listening to the podcast, there's even more to see on State Farm's YouTube channel. Log on to experience Colorful Lives in a whole new way.